book of Colossians chapter number 1 and stand with us. We'll read one verse of scripture. Colossians chapter number 1. And uh, I preached, uh, I've been preaching the last few weeks on Calvary and uh, it's an inexhaustible subject, isn't it? You cannot preach too much on the cross. And I think it was Spurgeon, you've heard it said many times, he would take a text, take a subject, and as soon as he could, he said he would go to the cross and head to the cross. And so I want to preach on that this morning on Calvary. Once again, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20. The Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Now I ask you to give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray that the Spirit of God would move in the heart of every individual here this morning. Lord, you know in this building today who is saved and who is lost. And Lord, I pray conviction on the soul of that sinner that's nearest hell, the soul of that sinner here this morning that is not saved. I pray that the Spirit of God would do the work that no man can do, draw them to the foot of Calvary, and may they be saved by the grace of God. And we'll thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 20 this morning. And of course we know that uh, the central theme of this verse uh, is that of the cross. It's of Calvary. And I preached uh, a few uh, services ago on uh, Calvary, the place of punishment, and then Calvary, uh, the place of pondering, and then Calvary, uh, the place of pressure. And this morning, I want to preach on this subject, on Calvary, uh, the place of peace. Amen. Calvary, uh, the place of peace. That is what we find uh, within our text this morning. And uh, Paul the Apostle uh, leaves the deity of Christ uh, in the verses uh, uh, prior to this and takes us to the death of Christ. Uh, and I want you to notice five things in this verse of scripture this morning and then we'll be through. First of all, I want you to see the provision that's in this verse here. Notice the Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, when you think about Calvary this morning, uh, Calvary is the place of peace uh, and and that provision that is provided at the cross uh, is the peace of God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, the Bible said, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. I'm glad that whenever you get saved, you have peace with God. And then the Bible talks about in Philippians chapter number 4, that the peace of God passeth all understanding. You see, if you've made peace with God, then you have the peace of God living in your soul. When we think about this provision of peace this morning that we find in this verse here. I want you to note this morning uh, that this provision that we're talking about, that it's exclusive uh, in its origin. Amen. You say, preacher, what do you mean? It's exclusive in its origin. What I mean by that is that there's no peace on earth like the peace of God. Amen. John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus said, peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart 
heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In John chapter 14 and verse number one, he didn't use the word peace, uh, but he did say, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. I wanna just stop and say this morning, I'm glad that this peace that we're talking about, this provision of peace, uh, it's exclusive in its origin. There is no peace uh, like the peace of God, amen? It is not a temporary peace, uh, but thank God it's an eternal peace, amen? It's a peace that needs no explanation. It's a peace that needs no introduction. There's been times when I didn't have the answer, but I had peace, amen? Uh, The world looks at that and says, how can you have peace and not have the answer? There's been times I didn't have the resources, uh, but I still had peace, amen? There's times I didn't know the solution and I didn't know the outcome, but I still had peace. Uh, The world scratches their head and says that's something that we don't know anything about. I want to stop and say thank God. I'm glad 31 years ago uh, in an old-fashioned altar in a little country church uh, in a storefront building, thank God on my knees, uh, I met the Prince of Peace uh, and he put peace uh, down in my heart. Amen. When you think about that this morning, the provision of this peace, uh, it's exclusive in its origin. And then I want to say it's exceptional in its character. Amen. You say, what do you mean exceptional in its character? I mean this peace, uh, it gives tranquility. It calms uh, the troubled soul. Uh, Doesn't matter how big the trouble is. Uh, Doesn't matter how deep the valley is. Uh, I'm telling you, God's always got more peace uh, than we got problems. You know that? Uh, He's got more peace uh, than we got fret. Amen. God has more peace than we have worry this morning. Uh, He's got more peace uh, than we've got valleys. Uh, We may run out of a lot of things, uh, but do you realize uh, you'll never run out of the peace of God? Uh, It'll be there uh, every day, every hour, every second, every moment. You can rest uh, and you can rely on the peace of God Almighty. Amen. I'm saying it's exceptional in its character. Before we met Jesus, we didn't know what peace was. Before we met Jesus Christ, uh, we didn't have peace. Uh, That's a good way to know when somebody gets saved. Isn't that right? I'm thinking about Miss Manetta when she got saved. I mean, she was a troubled soul before then. I mean, strung out on drugs, uh, uh, strung out on a bad life. Uh, Her own children wouldn't even come around and visit her. Uh, I mean, listen, she even uh, wreaked havoc on the church. Uh, uh, But when she come in on that Sunday night, I remember she'll still see it in my mind. And the choir was up singing. I'm talking about we'd been to her house and tried to witness to her and she couldn't even, she couldn't say, put a sentence together that would even make sense. And she came to Jubilee and listen, she caused all kinds of, wreaked havoc during the Jubilee. I remember she came up to me one night and she said, I'm gonna write satanic symbols on the walls. (laughs) I said, no, you're not gonna do that. And I told Brother Black, I said, keep your eye on her, Amen. And she, that, that night, oh, Sunday night of that, or, or, or Monday or Tuesday night of that meeting, uh, there's a, she ran a whole row of people sitting on the back back there. She ran them off. I mean, they couldn't take no more. After about an hour, I seen them all get up, pack up, and they left. And, and she's still just sitting there. And every time somebody'd shout, she'd make little devil horns uh, when people would go to shout. And, uh, and she is always moving. I mean, she just she just troubled in her soul, you know. Uh, and uh, she came back on Sunday morning. And isn't it amazing? She came on Sunday. I remember I wanted to preach the gospel that Sunday. And the Lord said, "No, you're not preaching it this morning." And so. 
know I preached something else to the church. Didn't even preach the gospel that morning. She came back that night and the choir was up singing. I remember uh, prior to that, I won't say how she was dressed, but it was very inappropriate prior to that. But on that Sunday night, she came in for whatever reason. She had on a blouse and had on a dress uh, and she come in, uh, had her hair kindly brushed out, you know. Uh, many of you remember that. She had a little orange Gideon's New Testament. And when she come in, she walked down, sat about halfway down and the choir was singing, I'm on the winning side. And the Holy Ghost said, go back there and talk to her. I thought she's not gonna make a lick of sense, you know. And went back there and I said, Manetta, I said, why are you coming? And for the first time, she looked up at me with tears running down her face, uh, holding that little Bible and she said, I'm tormented and I want peace, amen. I tell you, I started back down that aisle and the Holy Ghost said, that's what you're preaching on tonight, how to have peace. Uh, and I had one of Brother Blue's tracks in my Bible on five things on how to have peace. Uh, I think I preached about seven minutes, gave the invitation. She came down the aisle and got born again in the family of God, amen. Uh, she got off of alcohol, got off of drugs, uh, quit living the life she was living. Uh, and you know the story, uh, live for God and serve God until she got cancer and went home to be with Jesus. Uh, you know what that is? Uh, that's the peace of God. Uh, it's exceptional in its character. It can take a messed up troubled soul that uh, looks like it's bound for hell and eternity and God can rescue them. He can give them calm. He can give them peace. He can give them something that let them pillow their head at night and say, I don't need alcohol and I don't need drugs. I don't need to live that life anymore. I'm talking about that is the provision of this peace. Amen. And then I want to say this morning, it's excellent in its effect, amen. The Bible says, uh, uh, talks about this peace uh, and it gives us everything that we need for life's journey. The provision of this peace, Calvary is a place of peace, the provision. Then secondly, I want you to notice in this verse, not only the, pro the provision, but I want you to see the price. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school that I was reading a commentary on this text. And uh, the commentator, I, I've read a lot of his, his different ver, uh, volumes of, the com of commentaries and he's always been a, a good writer. He's uh, not exactly the way we would be, but I've always enjoyed reading uh, after him. And this morning, he spent two pages on telling uh, why the blood of Christ was symbolic and why it was not the blood that, that saved, but it was the death of Christ. Uh, I'm gonna tell you it took his death, but it took his blood, friend, amen. And I said in Sunday school, I wrote at the top, of that page, this is garbage, amen. I wrote at the bottom of that page, he needs to read the book of Hebrews. You say, why'd you do that? Because if I'm dead and gone and somebody gets a hold of them commentaries, I, I want them to know that's not right, amen. He through the eternal spirit offered up his own blood, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He hath entered in once in the holy place, uh, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Uh, hey friend, if it's not the blood, it's hell, amen. Uh, it still takes the blood. What can wash away my sins? Uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The price that was paid at Calvary, it cost our Savior his blood. Hallelujah. The Bible said the life is in the blood. 
He was riding in there, and I don't want to get off on, on his commentary. I just want to preach the commentary of the Bible, but I can't get away from the fact that he said, what happened to that blood? Did it dry up on the ground? I thought, man, you got a theological degree. You've been to seminary. You must have went to the wrong one. Amen? It's all I can say. You say, why? Because the high priest couldn't go in the presence of God unless there had been a blood sacrifice, and it had to be put on the altar. Amen? It had to be sacrificed and the blood had to be on the altar. And I want to tell you, friend, I'm glad the blood didn't dry up on the ground. The blood is on the mercy seat. It's on the altar in heaven. And when he sees me, thank God he sees the blood of his own son. Hallelujah. And that is the price this morning. We ought to never get over the blood. Mentioned it last Sunday, but it's all intertwined. I have to say this again. The reason we have peace is because the blood was shed. Jesus not only bought uh, bought peace for us, but he brought peace to us. Amen. Do you realize this morning the world couldn't have gave peace anyway. So Jesus had to purchase it, but he also had to bring it. He is peace within himself. And to know Jesus is to know, uh, my friend, uh, uh, the peace of God and the price of this peace is the blood. And I want to say it, it necessitated his descent. He had to come down. He had to bring the blood. He had to bring the peace. It necessitated not only his death, but his denial. Amen. The Via Dolorosa. Jesus had to walk that pathway. He had to walk that pathway of sorrow himself. Nobody else could walk that path, but Jesus walked the Via Dolorosa for you and me. He walked that pathway to Calvary. He went all the way to the top of that hill. He shed his blood so that you and I can have life and have it more abundantly this morning. I want to go on record as saying I believe it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to save a sinner. Without the shedding of his blood there is no remission. It necessitated his denial. He suffered. He was denied. He was despised. He was rejected. He became a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Why? So that we could have peace this morning. It necessitated his death. You see, the place where we find sweet peace is the place where Jesus died. It was at Calvary. Calvary is a wonderful place for you and I today, but it was once a horrific place. What about Jesus? He took a place that was so sad, a place that was so miserable, a place that was haunted, a place that was taunted by the Roman soldiers, a place that no man wanted to go near. He died there and he made it a pleasant place. And now as the songwriter said on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Uh, we sing about that song. People visit that place. You know why? Because it's brought peace. Uh, the world doesn't understand why we would want to go visit such a place. Uh, why we would want to go to Calvary. Why that's so monumental. It's the most monumental place uh, in the annals of time. And why uh, do people drive uh, and fly and come from all over the world uh, uh, to go to that hillside? Do you know why? because of the peace that is brought to their life. Now, I've never been there physically, but I can say spiritually, I've been to Calvary and I've seen the Lord, amen? And Calvary was a physical place. You can go to that place where Jesus died and it is a spiritual place, amen? I may never get there physically until the millennium, but I'll tell you one thing, I go there every day of my life. When they sung that song, I went there. When Miss April sung it in Sunday school, I went there. 
there. I'm simply saying this morning, Calvary ought to be real because of the price that was paid. Amen. The price, the provision, and then the place. Notice what he said here. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the place this morning. The cross. The cross was our cross, but he made it his cross. This morning, Calvary is not a sedative to soothe uh, for just a moment, but Calvary is a remedy. Uh, Thank God uh, uh, that will uh, uh, relieve man for all of eternity. That's what the cross is. It was not plan B or plan C. There was no plan B. Thank God Jesus knew before this old world was ever created, before God ever laid the mud seals of this earth, before he ever breathed into Adam the breath of life, before man ever walked in the garden, before the devil ever, my friend, caused man to fall. God already had a plan and God already had a man in the foundation of time. My friend, before the foundation of this world in time in the counsel of his own will God had already established Calvary it was not an accident it was not an afterthought but Calvary was my friend the plan of God from the very beginning of eternity God knew and the son knew and thank God this morning for the place when God formed this world and when God dug out the valleys and when he meted out the mountains and when God my friend clothed the grass of the field. He created a hill called Calvary where he knew that his son would suffer and die. Amen. It's a sovereign place, isn't it? When I think about the place of Calvary this morning, it is the greatest place on planet earth right now. Winston Churchill said in World War II, talking about the uh, the Air Force concerning the the Battle of Britain. I tell you, if you've if you've studied any of World War II, that was one of the greatest battles of the entire war. And Churchill made this statement. You've heard it, I'm sure, many times. He said, "Never has so many owed so much to so few." I loved Winston Churchill. Loved to read about him. Loved to loved to watch the documentaries about him. And I know that Churchill was sincere in what he said, but he was sincerely wrong. Because this morning, everyone owes everything to Jesus. Jesus paid it all, as we sung about. And all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Isn't that amazing that he didn't take some of our sin away? He didn't take most of our sin away, but he took all our sin away. He took all the past sin, but he took all the present sin of who I am right now. You say, preacher, do you have sin? I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner this morning. He took away the present sin. If he'd only took away the past, who we are right now is enough to send us to hell right now. Do you realize that? But he took away the past. He took away the present. He took away the future. All of the things that I'll fall short of, all of the things, that's not a license to sin. We love him and we don't want to fail him, but we know that our very best, we will come short. We'll miss the mark of the glory of God. I'm glad he took care of all my future sin. You say, I don't understand how that's possible. I'll tell you how it's possible. 
Oh, when he died at Calvary, all of your sins and mine were future sins. We had not even come into this world. You say, what did he do with that sin? I'll tell you what he did with that sin. He didn't bury it in the depths of the sea. He didn't put it behind his back. Listen, he didn't just cast it away as far as the east is from the west. That is what the Bible says has been done with sin. I'll tell you what Jesus did with our sin at Calvary. He nailed it to the cross. Amen. He took our sins. He nailed it to the cross. He paid for it with his blood. He took it away. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of this world. You can't find it. I can't find it. The devil can't find it. God can't remember it. Thank God it's gone. Our sins are gone. We ought to praise him because our sins, thank God not some of them, not in part, but in the whole, every single one of who I am and what I've done and what I will be. It's all been nailed to the tree, thank God, and it's gone, hallelujah, it's gone this morning. And I think about the place at Calvary. It's a place of peace this morning. And then notice the purchaser. The Bible says here, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, notice this, by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say. Everything in this verse is by him. Jesus paid personal attention when it came to the cross. Calvary, nobody else could have died in our place but him. We have not a high priest that is passed in the heavens that cannot be touched. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus at Calvary did not go begrudgingly, but he went willingly. He did not carry the cross with an angry spirit or a bad attitude. But Jesus, in fact, as we saw just the other Sunday, he stood in Pilate's hall. He stood even before Caiaphas and, and the, the religious trial, the mock religious trial that, that he had to go through. Jesus stood before all of them and the Bible says he held his peace. How could he hold his peace? Because he was the very embodiment of peace. And Jesus carried the cross all by himself. He died all by himself. Jesus went all the way to Calvary. He paid the price. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. He did this by him to reconcile all things what? Unto himself. Jesus at Calvary, he purchased the sin debt. Why? So that we could be brought to him. Amen. I'm gonna tell you, he loved us. The songwriter said he loves me like I was his only child. And how true that is. Uh, John 15 and verse 13. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Uh, Jesus loved us. Uh, I'm glad for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, if you're saved and you have peace, uh, the reason you have peace uh, is because of the purchaser. He loved you enough to die for you. Amen. This is why God does not play the doubting games with individuals. If you live in doubt, it's because you choose to. Living in doubt is failure to put faith in Jesus Christ. You say, but preacher, I've done everything I know to do and I'm still doubting. Quit doing and start trusting. You'll never find any peace if you're trying to do anything to get saved or stay saved. But I'll tell you, when you get to the place where you say, God, I can't do nothing with it, it's all in your hands anyway. And I'm going to trust you. When you start trusting, you start resting. 
Peace comes by trusting Him. Peace comes when I put my faith. I can't do anything to be saved. You say, well, I went to the altar and I cried tears and I, I, asked, I prayed this prayer and I said these words. That's all wonderful, but that don't make you saved. You say, well, preacher, what do you mean? I mean, a lot of people did that very same thing and they didn't get saved. I'll tell you when you get saved, and there's nothing wrong with shedding tears. There's nothing wrong with praying. And you all, you've got to trust Jesus Christ. You've got to ask him to come into your heart and save you. But I'll tell you, it's the attitude of the heart. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. I've heard people testify this many times. And I don't doubt it one bit. They said, you know, I went to the altar and I cried and I asked Jesus to save me. But I'll be honest with you, preacher, I believe when I stepped out of that pew and started toward that altar, I believe God saved me right there in that aisle. I don't have no problem believing that to you. You know why? Because they were coming to God's what they were doing. For with their heart, they believed when they took that step, it was a step of faith. Amen. They came toward God and they trusted Him and He saved them. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. I'm not a Calvinist. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. Somebody say amen. Not one drop of Calvinism in my veins this morning. But I'll tell you, I do believe God takes the initiative. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I know that I could have never saved myself as hard as I may try and as much as I may have tried to do. I'd have still been a lost ball in high weeds on my way to hell. I'd have died a religion individual. And I'll tell you, say, what'd you do? I just turned loose that morning and said, dear God, if you'll take me the way that I am. He said, I'll take you the way you are. I'll trust you to be my my Savior, my Lord. I trust him with all my heart. And friend, that's what it takes this morning. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's the one that does it. He's the purchaser this morning. He's the only one that can save. You cannot save yourself. I really feel like there's somebody here this morning, you're making a thousand trips to the altar or you think you've got to come to the altar and you think you've got to do this and do that. Friend, you can't do anything to be saved. You get funny looks sometimes when you say that because some people say, well, my experience was I, I did all these things and I believe that about your experience. I, you say, but preacher, I went down there and I wept and I prayed and I believe you did. But I want you to know it's not your tears that saved you. It's his blood that saves you. Amen. It's not what you said that's gonna save you. It's what he says that's gonna save you. When I got saved, all I said was, God, I don't wanna go to hell. I don't wanna go to hell. I didn't say a formal prayer, but I I believe it was good enough. Uh, oh, Brother Oliver B. Green said he prayed and when he prayed to get saved, he said he didn't call on Jesus. He called on God and he said the devil would come by and say, Oliver, you're not saved because you just called on God. He said it burdened him for a while and he prayed about it. He said one day he was praying and the Holy Ghost spoke to him and he said you can't dissect the Trinity when you called on one. It's like calling all three because all three are one. I'm telling you, it's not what you say. It's not what you do, but thank God my faith is in the Bible. It's in the word of God. It'll never fail this morning. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. I don't like it when preachers get up and just try to recap a congregation. Try to cast a lot of doubt just to get somebody. There's something wrong when, when 40 of your church, good church members start getting saved. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. I believe these lost church members sitting here this morning needs to be saved. You, you, you got a profession, but you ain't got no possession. But I get real nervous, amen, if, every, if, every, if everybody in the church started getting saved. Something wrong with that this morning. The purchaser. And then let me say, 
this in closing, the purpose. Why did he do all this? Notice verse number 20 again. To reconcile all things unto himself. That word reconcile, that's a good word this morning, isn't it? It means to to bring back together. Nowhere's in the Bible do you see where the Bible uses the word reconcile concerning to God or for God, should I say, but it's for man. You see, God didn't turn away from man. Man turned away from God. God doesn't need to be reconciled. We need to be reconciled. But God, through Jesus, He reconciled man to Himself. I I love that old song that Brother Squire Parsons wrote years ago. He came to me. He said in that song, he said, the gulf that separated me from God was so vast. He said, and when I could not come to where he was, he came to me. I'm so glad that I couldn't get to where God was. You couldn't get to where God was. Sitting on the front row of a church pew, hearing preaching, you couldn't get to God. He had to come to where you was. I'm gonna tell you, Zacchaeus climbed up in that sycamore tree for Jesus was to pass by that way. He climbed up that tree so that he might see Jesus. But I got news for Zacchaeus and he knows it now. But long before he went looking for God, God came looking for him. Amen. I want to say this morning, I'm glad he came looking for me. Aren't you? I'm glad he knew where I was. He knows where you're at this morning. He knows who you are. You're not here by accident. You say, but I'm lost and going to hell. I want to tell you this morning, you're here by divine appointment. The Holy Ghost brought you here this morning. And if you'll come and trust Jesus Christ, uh, hey, friend, you can find the peace of Calvary. He'll reconcile you unto his son and to himself this morning. That means peace has been made. You cannot purchase peace because it's already been purchased. But I'll tell you what you can do this morning. You can accept it. You can accept it this morning. You say, how easy is it to Accept this peace. Just receive it this morning. You know, I was thinking about when Brother Wagner was preaching on that Wednesday night. He stood before the congregation. He said, who wants to make $20? And I'm sure there was more than just one person that wanted to make $20. There's probably some of us adults that would have said, hey, I'd like to make $20. But there was only one that came forward to receive the gift. And all he had to do was just come. He had to run around seven times, but he... (laughs) But when he come, that $20 was as good as his. He'd received it. You know, this morning, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to die in your sins. And I'm going to tell you something else. You don't have to spend another night with your head on your pillow wondering where you're going to spend eternity. You can have peace this morning. God is not the author of confusion. He is not in the game playing, as I said before. He's not in the confusing business. God deals with absolutes. The devil will try to trip you up. He'll try to cast doubt. He'll try to do anything he can to make you miserable. God doesn't want you to be miserable. God wants you to have peace. Peace. 